is good. It's good to worship. As as I mentioned uh, in a few minutes, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper and the elements for that are on your tables. I'll give you instructions for that in a little bit. But if you're at home and you're watching online, I would encourage you to partake with us as well. I realize you may not have uh, quite what you need uh, to be able to do the Lord's Supper at home. And so use what you have, what you can come up with. Uh, there's a this very cool feature uh, online called the pause button, and you can. Uh, that's that's not an advertisement for skipping church, by the way, um, but uh, I would certainly encourage you. Uh, maybe hit pause now, take a moment to prep what you need to prep, uh, so that we can celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper communion together uh, shortly. We've been in a series uh, called Summer Hacks, and uh, today is not so much a hack, I'm going to be honest about that, but I did have a summer hack I wanted to share with you, and I asked you guys uh, to come with some summer hacks to think about if you were in service last week, and so I'm sort of curious if anybody has any, but I have one I'm going to throw out. This one does not involve... It does not involve pool noodles, but maybe you have a hack for pool noodles, something you can do with a pool noodle, if you will. So the one I'm going to give you today is a little different than the pool noodle, if you will. Today, this is how to make a fire starter for your campfire, right? This was ingenious, I thought. In fact, I tried it this week. Uh, we, The girls were home. Uh, we uh, had a fire in the fire pit in the backyard, so you take you take an empty toilet paper roll, and you take that dryer lint, you know that dryer lint you struggle with knowing what to do with besides just putting it in the trash, right? And you stuff some dryer lint into that toilet paper roll, throw it under some twigs, throw your logs on that, I promise you, you'll have a roaring fire in no time. If you you got to have a little spark, of course. But uh, it worked pretty well, quite honestly. Apparently Craig's done this before. Oh, yeah. So you put the, put the dryer mitt in there, melt wax over it, and you just take a, a, a basket and just slice the cardboard and the thing and then burn it for a long time. Boom. That's pretty good. See, there you go. There you go. So, so thank you, Craig. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm, I'm curious. Anybody else got a, got a summer hack for us? A camping hack? A picnic hack? A... a, a how to make the kids enjoy and be good for summer hack. How to make the parents. How to make the parents more in tune. And maybe you kids have a hack for us. Something about your parents. And Marianne, what you got? What you got? Yeah, oh, that's good. Bring it on. Cold water for the day is a good thing. The bigger the bottle, the better. 
Yes, yes. We would use, uh, when we went camping, we always took two or three. They used to have three-liter bottles back in the day. You, you guys remember that? Right? Three-liter soda bottles, right? So we'd take those, and you fill them mostly full, but not quite to the top, right? Freeze them, right? And then those would stay cold in a cooler for a long time, because you have a huge block of ice um, in that kind of thing. I, that was always beneficial for camping particularly, uh, but similar concept. So I think, you know, we're going to discover more of these as we go along, and I, I will have some more uh, pool noodle hacks for us as we go through the summer as well. But what does any of this have to do with the supper that we're going to celebrate today? The answer, if I'm just a billion percent honest, is absolutely nothing. But what I do realize is that in my life and yours, we're always looking for shortcuts. We're always looking to make things simpler, more convenient, sometimes more comfortable, sometimes easier. And while there's nothing wrong with that at some levels, when it comes down to the deepest things of our lives, there often, as we talked about last week, are no shortcuts. And one of the things I've realized about my own heart and my own soul is that I have a tendency to sort of autopilot certain directions. For one, I'm a broken human being. Anybody not? For two, I'm going to go further than that and say I'm a sinful human being. Right? And so it's very natural for me and my autopilot to pivot back to me. Right? How does something impact me? How does something make me feel? All of those kinds of things. And then the th other thing I know about myself and my own autopilot is that I often feel like I fall too short, right? Like I'm not good enough or like something didn't measure up quite right or there's this autopilot thing in me where, where I just struggle with that sense. And maybe that's you, maybe it's not, where, it, where something's not good enough inside of me. And as I think about the surest way to reset my autopilot, I easily think that the way forward is just the way of grace. Right? I mean, think about my options here. I'm a broken, sinful, guilt-riddled human being. My options are fix it all myself, Fake it till I make it. Or just be an honest enough human being to say, Jesus was right. And I fall short in a lot of ways. And I need, I need him. So I want to read this passage to you. It's very familiar. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You don't necessarily need a sermon outline today because I don't have fill in the blanks or, or any of that for us. But I do have, maybe you got one on the way in, um, I have summary sheets from the year of a lot of the lessons we've learned this year. And you might want those in a little bit uh, as we talk about a couple of things. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to pick up reading in the... 23rd verse 
By the way, I, I can commend you in a lot of ways. Uh, you could say that 1 Corinthians 11 indicates that they would have meals in the early church. It's, it's not just a could thing. It definitely indicates that. And what it tells us is that they struggled with sharing together in the community, that there was uh, people who would go ahead of the others, that the wealthy saw themselves as more important, that they would push themselves in to eat first, that the poor sometimes would go without, those who who needed food the most wouldn't get, and those who had the most often still took for themselves. And This was a selfish church like any other church. In fact, when people say we should be New Testament churches, I absolutely affirm that. We should be, but we should expect our churches to struggle with things that New, church, New Testament churches struggled with. And one of the great correctors for all of those things we struggle with is God's grace as evidenced by, among other things, the Lord's Supper. So Paul writes here in the middle of 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when He'd given thanks, He broke it. And He said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this. And remembrance of me. In the same way after supper he took the cup. Saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Bless you. In remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread. Whenever you drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And so everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. He goes on from there to continue his line of thought in this teaching. What I want to show you is that he gives us three primary thought processes really to work through as we work through taking the Lord's Supper together. First and foremost, right out of the gate, I think he tells us to look back and remember. To look back and remember. He tells us to look back Not just at ourselves, but to look back at the body of Jesus. To look back at the cross, to look back at the grace of the cross, and to remember why Jesus was there. Jesus was there to trade His blood for mine. And so I want us to spend a few moments looking back. And I want you to think back through the year so far. And maybe just take a minute, just on your own. I want you to think about where the Lord has taken you this year. And where His grace has needed to show up in your life this year. And where His grace needs to be fresh even in your life today. You could say that we are right about now at halftime for the year. You know, in sports, at halftime, 
right? They go into the locker room and they, re, they, they evaluate a little bit and they rest a little bit and they reset a little bit to come back out and make the second half better than the first half, right? We are literally at the halftime of the year, right? Halfway point. And I wonder if it might be worth it for us to take a moment. Think about our lives. Think about what we've needed grace for in our lives. And think about where we may still need grace even today. To help you with this, I did, as I mentioned, we gave you a uh, summary sheet in your outlines. If you need one, there's still some back in the back there. But um, these are just a variety of the topics we've learned about this year. I'm not at all saying that this would be the only thing Jesus would have taught you or taught us. But, but I think as you think through your years, sometimes remembering where we've been together on the journey can be beneficial. So I want you to take maybe another 30, 45 seconds. Think about where grace has showed up in your life this year. And then uh, we'll come back. Awkward silence. You guys can do this. I believe in you. So I'm curious, where has, where has grace showed up in your life this year? Where have you needed grace to show up? I'm not asking for you to you know, stand in front of us and confess your biggest, baddest sin. Um, but where have you needed grace to be at work in your heart this year? Yeah. Does it feel like, is it just me, does it feel like that's getting like... Like more and more required and harder and harder. Yeah, it's almost like in the last few years, for some reason, the world lost its mind. I've already gotten down the road a little bit. 
following me will definitely need uh, require some patience <laughs> and grace. Like every step you take, you step in a hole. Let Jesus pull you out of the hole. Uh, yeah. You can't give it if you're not experiencing it, right? Right. That sharing grace in a lot of ways becomes a natural outflow of the grace you're receiving. Yeah. Yes. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Pride, for sure. What else? Maybe one or two more. very human of us to know that we fall short and can't be perfect and then expect others to do what we can't do. Faith is good. Life will definitely give you more than you can handle. If it's not at the moment, just wait for a few minutes. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, yeah. It's definitely important that we live the grace that we preach, right? I, I, I think some of the world's struggle with us as Christians is that um, they will sometimes un, un, unjustifiably, but other times justifiably, say we preach one thing and we live another. And uh, that makes an easy excuse for people who look at our lives and say, well, if you can't live it, why would I, why would I want that? Well, I guess we'll find out when we clean these tables up right after we Yeah, for the I you know, I mean like literally when I was young in the eighties I would hear that same thing that the worst tippers the the worst tippers were Christians. Right? It's, we had a <laughs> 
I just always think we have to get it straight, right? When we're at the restaurant, we tip. And when we're at church, we tithe. Because sometimes we go to church and we tip. And I don't know what we do. The, the 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 faith and the trust that there is way more than just this world. And that's true right here, right now. And that's true for eternity. And, um, I you know, I think about the number of funerals I, I've done uh, this year and just the importance it is of being able to, to, to understand that when uh, when a believer in Jesus passes, right? We, we breathe in our last here. Think about that first breath of heaven. Think about who's there. Right? We always think about family being there, but I'm pretty sure that, I don't know that I can prove this necessarily, but in my own head, the way I've conceptualized, the way I read Revelation, the way I read heaven, that you know, my first breath there. Um, just give me Jesus. You know, it's important to remember grace as we look back. And to remember that His grace is as fresh today. The Lord Jesus on the night He was betrayed took bread. And when He given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right? Christians have done this for a couple of thousand years now as a way to remember Jesus and His grace. I think this passage also tells us to look ahead and rejoice. He says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And He is saying that for the rest of time that we preach the gospel, not that preachers preach the gospel, that we, as we partake, that there is an active invitation on the table, right? Take, eat, taste and see that the Lord is good, that when we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death, knowing that not only is he dead, or was, but that He is alive and that He will come again. We should look back and remember. We should look ahead and rejoice. And this told us to look within and repent. There's this whole section here that gets a little uh, confusing to us. That whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup in a, of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And we can debate all day long what that means. But I believe with all my heart that what it's telling us is that sometimes I need to examine my heart and have my own fresh experience with grace. 
before I take. Or sometimes I need to be right with someone in my life and I need to let it pass even so that I can make that right. Not that I am worthy of this because there is nothing worthy in me of the body and the blood of Christ. What what I do think is that we turn this into weird theological discussions sometimes, right? If if you've ever like can't sleep one night and you want to go to sleep, read what people write about open versus closed communion. I mean, serious. Like I'm Baptist in background. Like I don't I don't hide that, right? And uh, Baptists get hung up in the weirdest places. On who this is for. And some churches say. Well you have to be a member. (laughs) (laughs) And. And you know I mean. There's just so much about this. That. That I, that I end up lost sometimes in theological discussions where I think we take our rules and attach it to the Bible and we say this and that, you got to do this and you got to do that. And here's what I know. That when I read my Bible, it says, look, if this is not meaningful to you, then my encouragement to you would be to let it pass. That, that the supper is for believers. right? We don't do this to get Jesus to save us. But we do this because Jesus has saved us. And if, if even today, this, you're here, but this just really isn't a thing to you, then, then it's okay to let it pass. Likewise, if you're in a place where you feel like God is, is, is telling you to examine yourself and get right something else first, then it's okay to let it pass for that reason. What I don't think this is saying, and I've heard this debated for my whole Christian life, is that you know that if, if an unbeliever or a Christian takes it at the wrong time in the wrong way, somehow there's some worse level of hell for people who took it when they weren't supposed to. Here's what I know. That salvation has never been about you and I being good enough. But what it is meant to do is to drive us to do what we've talked about. To look back and remember, to look ahead and rejoice, to look within and repent. And so I wonder as we come to the table this morning where there's room in your life for that to need to happen. Before we take communion. I always end our messages with two prayers. And I'm going to do the same today, but I'm going to do our prayer of application a little different. I'm going to prompt you. I'm going to have you pray before we take the supper. But first, I want to pray a prayer of salvation. If you need Jesus today, then I want to be abundantly clear about what saves us. It's not you and I being baptized. It's not you and I coming to church. It's not you and I reading our Bible. It's not you and I joining a church and becoming a member. Very clearly, what saves us is what Jesus did on that cross. That on that cross, when He died, when His body was broken and when His blood was spilled, 
that sacrifice took my place. And my sin was placed on Him in that moment. And He took what I deserve. And that, my friends, we call grace. Because I don't deserve what He gave me. Of course, they took his lifeless body. They buried him in a borrowed tomb. We sang about that this morning. On the third day, he defeated not only my sin, but death itself. And he's alive today and of wanting, wanting. The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you and I. But he doesn't force it. So we just have to ask. And we have to, I use the word repent. It means to turn. Specifically from my autopilot of brokenness and sin and all the ways I fall short. To turn from all of that to Jesus. Just be honest. Jesus, I need you. And if that's you today, maybe online, maybe here in the room, maybe you'd pray with me right here, right now to receive what he offers. Dear Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner and that I don't deserve you or what you've done for me. But I ask for you to forgive my sin take over my life. I believe you died. You rose again. You're alive today. So live in me, Jesus. Change my soul from the inside out. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope that's you today. In line, I hope that's you as well. If that is you, then please, please let us know. We'd love to celebrate that. We'd love to talk about it. We'd love to think about how we can help you as the body. How we can help you live in that relationship with Christ. You know, it really matters that we live this life together. Not just at potlucks, but that we truly, really have each other's back. Part of what Paul was getting at here is that that they would recognize his body without recognizing his body. And I think there's really a place for us. Think about how we live out the faith together. And I hope in the coming year that that's more and more of a part of what you want in your life. I'm going to pray a prayer of application. I'm going to prompt you actually to pray it. And, uh, and then we're going to take the supper together. And I'll, I'll give you instruction for that when the time comes. I would challenge you if this is you today and you would say rightly, that I admit that I'm broken and I need grace today as much as ever. Maybe you'd pray this prayer of application with me. Dear Jesus, 
Thank you for your goodness, for your grace. I look back and I remember you died for me. Again, repeat after me. Jesus, I look ahead. I think about your return. I choose joy while I wait, while I serve, while I share grace. repeat after me one more time Jesus I look inside myself and at least on my own I realize that I'm still wrong in a lot of ways and so Jesus I turn to you I repent Show me how to be right and how I live with you, how I walk with others. Fill my life with your love and your goodness.
On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. For you. It's personal. Not just the magic for everyone, it's for you. So on your table, somewhere near the center, there is a a tray. And if you're in a place today where this is meaningful to you, that I would encourage you to to take. Because it requires action. To break it. To realize he was broken for you. Jesus, we thank you that you chose the cross, that you chose the nails, that you chose the brokenness to heal what was broken in our lives. Jesus, thank you. We do this not only in remembrance, but with great thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same way after supper, took the cup. You want to take these and find a way to pass it around, maybe to serve one another or maybe to pass this. And We're famous for our little tiny thimble cups, right? But I'm fairly certain that at that first Passover of Jesus, not first, but at their Passover when they, when he began that, that first supper we call the Lord's Supper, that he, that he did not have a cup this big, or even this big. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. There's a lot there. The Old Testament had promised a new covenant. Covenants are not something that just come around, you know, every 10 seconds. But this was God saying, I have a new way of relating to you. And it's bought and paid for. With His blood. Jesus again we recognize that there's nothing we deserve here 
the fact that your blood was shed, was poured out, was spilled for our sin. yet we're grateful that you would love us this far and this much. So Jesus, with thanksgiving, we worship you. We pray in your name. It is kind of a mm-hmm. There's something refreshing about Jesus pouring over your life. We're gonna sing another song. Can you stand with us as we worship and we sing?